in the middle of a series right now called How Do I? And so we're answering some difficult questions or some questions that we believe that maybe you've wanted to know the answers to and we're taking them on and, uh, and going to dig into the word and find out what we think are the biblical answers to those questions. Last week, Pastor Stephen um, so awesomely uh, ministered to us along the lines of how to harness our emotions. Anybody got emotions in this room? Okay, if they don't, if your neighbor did not raise their hand, just poke them and say, you're a liar. And um, we all have emotions. We all have things, the feelings, the way we feel. And he was so awesome. He used an illustration um, about, you know, just how we can have a blue Monday and how when we get our eyes focused on something um, that, that the word of God, and he began to pour in some clear water into that blue Monday, and he began to pour it in, and as he did, what the clear water overtook the blue water, and, and his illustration was really just focusing on what do you have your attention on, what are you putting your mind on, what are you putting your thoughts on, and I know for me, so many times when hard times face me, or difficult situations, or my emotions get the best of me, if I sit and dwell on those emotions and those difficult situations, it becomes larger than it really is. Even is anybody ever know what I'm talking about sometimes situations can seem so much bigger than the reality of what they are but when I set my attention and my affection on the things of God the, the that thing that's 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 trying to grab a hold of my emotions can shrink with the power of Jesus Christ in my life so I'm excited if you um want to know more along these lines or kind, maybe you've been an emotional person your whole life maybe you've been raised in a home where there's been a lot of emotions and people have been all over the place and one day people are happy and one day people are sad or you even find your own self at a place where you're thinking man I feel like depression comes upon me or oppression comes upon me or I have dark days and I don't know how to deal with these emotions I find my myself happy one moment and um, Pastor Stephen is going to be doing a small group on Wednesdays right here at 6 p.m. called How to Harness Your Emotions. Um, it's with, um, 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 what's his first name? Andrew Womack, thanks. It's with Andrew Womack and uh, it, honestly, he's been watching it for the past couple weeks and it's been wrecking his world in a great way. He just, he said he has a whole new revelation for even how to govern our emotions. So that'll be here on Wednesday nights and it doesn't really have a limit. We do not have childcare provided, but I think that if that's been an area in your life that you've really been struggling with, uh, it would behoove us all just to be a part of that. So just wanted to put that in there. Today, I'm going to talk to you or minister along the lines of how to deal with difficult people. Anybody ever had a difficult person in your life? or two or three or four. Um, so I want to start this off with making this one comment, and um, our friend Katie's going to put it up on the screen, and here's how it's going to go. Go ahead, Katie, put it up there. Every single one of us is what? Difficult. So just tap yourself right here. Say you are a difficult person. Most of the time we're pointing to our neighbor, but the reality of it is, is you are difficult or you have the ability to be, or the potential to be, or you could be a difficult person. And so this morning, we are going to take the time to deal with three sets of people. I've just been um, kind of working this in my heart, and I wanted to give you, we said it's practical answers. So for me, we are going to come into contact with difficult people the rest of our life. We're going to come in contact with difficult situations the rest of our life, and we need to know how to practically deal with this. Sometimes we can over-spiritualize something, and we can go, well, I'm just going to pray for them. Well, here's the thing. If you don't pray for them and change your behavior, your prayers really aren't going to matter much. Just saying. If you pray for them, but you still act like a jerk, we got a problem. 
And so we're going to deal with three different sets of um, situations um, today uh, for you. But I want to start it off with this one scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, out of the New Living Translation. And I want to start this off because every one of us, when we go through difficult times or we face difficult people, we think I'm the only person who's facing this. Or I, we think we're the only one who's going through this trial. But check out this scripture. The temptations in your life are what? Know what? From what others have experienced. So what you're experiencing, what you're going through, the difficult situation, the difficult person, the difficult spouse, the difficult neighbor, the difficult boss, the difficult whoever is in your life, you are not experiencing anything different than anybody else has experienced, okay? And God is, he will not what? The temptation to be more than you can. Say, I can handle this. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So here's the thing. Today, no matter what situation you're facing, no matter who's irritating you, no matter what's bothering you, no matter who you're facing, you can handle it. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to give you a couple, three different personality types. And we are one of three of these. You are one of these. I can promise you this. So we're, we're going to go, this is kind of going to set the platform and you're going to go ahead and pick your personality. Tell, you can tell your neighbor, hey, this is me. This is not me. But we're going to go ahead and pick what we are so that we know how to deal with ourselves in difficult situations. So the first personality that I'm going to talk about is the passive personality. Anybody in this room passive, if you're bold enough to raise your hand. So we have no, oh, okay, my friend, okay, we have a couple passive people. Couple passive people. So I'm going to read you a definition. Of pa- These are people who hate conflict. Anybody in here hate conflict? You, you, you don't want to talk about it. You want to ignore it. So I, I um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 45 now. So I'm, I'm not old and I'm not young. I'm kind of right in that middle age, you know. So we, you know, we, when we go through and start studying and talking about um, what we're going to prepare on, I like to get everybody's age. I like to hear from other people, hey, what does passive look like when you're 20? What does passive look like, you know, when you're 40? You know, because if you're not careful, you'll take these traits through your entire life. So um, I found out that there's a thing um, when you're in your 20s that you do that's called, when you're passive, it's called ghosting. So here, here, I'm going to read you the definition. Now, all you young people you need to hook up with me because the, all the first service people were like 40 or 45 or 50 and they didn't think it was funny at all. But here's the act of ghosting. Ghosting is the act of suddenly ceasing all communication. And this is done in hopes that the ghosty will get the hint. It's, you're, this is the hashtag. Hashtag ignored. Hashtag I'm going to avoid you. So if you have an iPhone and you're talking to someone and it's all blue, you're getting ghosted. Here's a, if someone's not responding to you, if someone's not replying to you, they're ignoring you. In case you didn't know what that was. And that person in your life, if you have a conflict or you have a situation, they are being passive. And they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to deal with the conflict. Anybody know anybody like that in this room? It doesn't mean you have to be you. It just means you know somebody that's like that. A passive person. Now we have another person in our, in, that we can talk about. Passive aggressive. Anybody in this room passive aggressive? Mm. So passive, no, here's the deal. Passive aggressive people, these are people who want what they want under the guise of pleasing others. 
So these are people who they're going to trick you into getting what they want, but they're not going to tell you what they want. They're just going to trick you into you getting it, to them getting it. So these are passive aggressive people. Now, uh, I've come to find out that passive aggressive people work best through sticky notes. (laughs) Sticky notes. So if you are leaving sticky notes in hopes that someone will get the message, note to self, you are passive aggressive. It might look something like this. Go ahead and throw a couple up for Katie. Whoever left the donuts in the tech office, do you want ants? Because that's how you get ants. That's passive aggressive. Throw our next one up. Passive aggressive. Go ahead. I think I have a couple more. Jesus doesn't steal Pop-Tarts, neither should you. You know who you are. <laughs> passive, aggressive. Listen, these are passive, aggressive people. People who want you to get the message, but they don't want to deal with you, and they don't want to have a conversation with you, but they really want you to get it. I- I'm going to encourage you. Listen, if you find yourself in this place, these are areas that need changed in your life. If you're passive, aggressive, and you're leading people, they don't get it through sticky notes. And our third person is just flat out aggressive. So if you are this person, you don't need to raise your hand because we're going to do prayer call at the, at the end and lay hands on you. But here, and Pastor Steve and I have talked a little bit about this. That, that nature, that aggressive nature, um, he used to be kind of feisty, I think, before he met Jesus. And, um, and, and, but that, that nature will sometimes even rise up in him. You know, you could, somebody that can go from zero to ten and a flat second, you know what I'm talking about? If you're that person, you know that that's in you. That in, and you don't even know what happens. It's like when you get on the... I, I told him the other day we were driving down the road, and, uh, and he was like right there on someone. I said, I, can you just tell me what the point of that is? Can I, I'm just trying to figure out what you doing that, what's that doing for you? I said, because guess what? The person in front of you, you know what they want to do? Go slower. So I don't know what that aggression is you that rides their tail, that it gets you or something. I'm, I'm, not, I'm confused about it. And he's like, you don't understand. Just, they just need to get it. I'm like, you need to get that. They're not going to go any slower faster. Thanks. So, so here's the deal. You're either passive, pastor, passive aggressive, or you're just flat out aggressive. And when you deal with difficult people, if we're not careful, we'll deal with them out of one of these three personality things. Now, here's the thing. We all have personalities. We all, God has made us all different. Pastor Stephen did this really cool thing before we met. We have team prayer with everybody who serves in a department um, on Sunday mornings. And we laughed this morning because everybody, you might've noticed that Jackie had some great boots on. They were velvet and Madeline had some great boots on and they were kind of wild. And we had all these different kinds of shoes going on. And he said, listen, there's a bunch of different people, but we're all doing the same thing. And you have a bunch of different personalities out there, but it looks different coming out. And so I'm going to encourage you that no matter what your personality is, it is going to have to submit itself to the word of God. It always has to submit itself to the word of God. So so we're going to go in this morning, if you'll let me, we're going to go in and talk about three different areas of how to deal with difficult people. And this is going to sound uh, not elementary, but it's going to sound a little basic. But I think that this is an area that the body of Christ, um, in my own personal opinion, it's almost like we know it, but we don't do it. And it's an area that if we don't get right, can I tell you something? If it's an area as a believer, if you are a born again believer, if you've received Jesus Christ into your life as your personal savior and you don't get these areas right, can I tell you something? Don't tell people you're a Christian. 
Because it, it's an area that, the, that you're going to see through scripture that God really doesn't give any allowances for. Zero. So the first thing that we're going to deal with is um, how a Christian deals with another fellow believer that is difficult. I know, it's so funny. Um, if you just stare straight ahead, then no one will know what you're thinking. Okay, so, so if you have another difficult believer... And, and they're bothering you how that works. Now, here's the deal. I want you to know that in the Bible that this happened to a, a person that we, we honor a lot in Scripture, and that's Paul. I'm going to show you how this happened to Paul. In Acts chapter 15, if you want to turn with me, Acts chapter 15, verses 36. Now, I'm going to read a couple verses right there. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Here we go. Now, um, it, it's going to be up on the screen too. So here we go. After some time... Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord and see how the new believers are doing. Okay, verse 37. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along who? John Mark. But Paul what? And how did he disagree? Strongly. I like it when you guys talk back. Um, since John Mark had deserted them in wherever and not continued with them in their work. Their what? They're what? They're, come on, help me out. They're what? Was so how? That they what? Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. So here's the thing. Paul and Barnabas, they're buddies. They've been traveling, preaching the word together. And they had a fellow friend named John Mark. John Mark was close with them. But John Mark must have done something that ticked Paul off. He basically deserted them in a time of trouble. Maybe, I, I don't know quite the situation. But he deserted them in a time when Paul thought that John Mark should have stood by them. So he left them. So then here's the deal. Barnabas, Barnabas must have thought it wasn't that big of a deal. So Barnabas says to Paul, let's invite John Mark. And, and, and Paul says, I don't want John Mark to would come and it was such a severe disagreement that they split ways now interestingly enough that's where most believers go hallelujah let's split ways but that is not where the story ends i'm going to show you through scripture a couple different verses one in second timothy if you don't want to take the time to look them up just jot them down second timothy chapter four second timothy chapter four verse eleven Say, this is important. Say, this is important. This is important. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Verse 11. All right, here we go. It says, only, this is Paul, only Luke is with me. Bring who? Bring who? Mark with you when you come, for he will be what? Helpful to who? He says he will, listen, obviously at some point in time, Paul says, I want you to bring John Mark. I want you to bring him back to me because he is helpful for me in the ministry. So at some point, those two made amends. At some point, they must have realized, hey, look, this is not what brothers in the Lord look like. I'm not going to go to it, but if you want to jot it down, you can write down Colossians 4 chapter 10. 4 chapter 10. Colossians 4 chapter 10. This is another place where they're saying, bring... Um, 
Paul tells the people at, um, in Colossia, he says, welcome John Mark back to you. Greet him with a welcome. Not only does jo Paul care how he treats him now, he now cares how other people treat him. He's saying, listen, it's not just about me anymore. We've made amends. Now I care how you're, anybody know, everybody, anybody ever made amends with somebody and then you care how, you, how other people treat them? He's saying, listen, this is how it's going to work. You treat him well. So here's the process, and go with me, you know, I'm going to look at this in the Message Bible, Matthew chapter 8, verses 15 through 17, I'm going to, uh, she's going to put it up on the, in the Message Translation, it's very powerful, you ready friend, go ahead, if a fellow believer, what, go and tell him, work it, what, between the two of you, if he listens, you've made a if he won't listen, take one or two others along so that, keep on going, friend, the presence of a witness will keep things how? And what? If he still won't listen, tell the? And if he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from? Confront him with a need for repentance and offer against God's forgiving what? So this is how this works. I have an issue with India, okay? India borrowed $20 from me four years ago and it's still bothering me. People, people get mad about that kind of stuff. I'm just being honest. You didn't invite my kid to their birthday party. <laughs> you invite my kid to your birthday party, we are done. I'm, this, is how, this is how church people act. So, so this is bothering me. It's irritating me. I'm a believer. So I go to India and say, hey, you know what? We're, we're, we're good friends. You love Jesus. I love Jesus. And, uh, and I say, you know, you borrowed $20. You acted like you didn't borrow $20 from me. I, you know, I, I want my $20 back. And she says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't owe you $20. Now, now this is how it works. She gets all kinds of attitude. And then I get all kinds of attitude. Now, how do you fix that? What I would do then is go find somebody who, who's not just on my side, but that's neutral, that cares about the both of us. And then I would go and say, hey, could you maybe intervene and help Indy and I work through this disagreement? Because we're believers and we're not going to have a disagreement because we love Jesus. And interestingly enough, the word of God says, if this process doesn't work, you forgive and do it How? And then if you forgive and then you do it, how? Oh, come on. Some, and you forgive and do it, how? And you forgive and do it, how? And you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. And how I know that you keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, because if you keep on reading, thank you very much so much, husband of mine, if you keep on reading down there in Matthew, it's the very beginning part when the disciples say, how many times do I forgive? And they said seven, and Jesus said, are you kidding? How about 70 times seven? Which we figured out is about every three minutes. So the reality of it is, is you do not get the ability as a believer. A believer should never have a conflict with another believer that is not resolved. Ever, 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 ever. 
Because we are the ones who are different. We are not like the world. So here's what this process looks like. Go ahead and put it up there for us, Katie. If you are wondering how to handle a difficult person who is a believer, you're first going to have a conversation, a civil conversation, not one that is filled with aggression or passive aggressive or anything of that form. You're going to have a conversation, one that you've spent some time praying about, one that you've sought God on, one that you've calmed. You're not, you're not hyper when you do it. You're not wound up when you do it. You've sought the Lord on it. You're going to have a conversation. After you have a conversation, you're going to do what? Go ahead, put it up there, friend. You're going to what? We're going to forgive. Based on what they do, Based on who? Thank you. And after you forgive, then you're going to do what? Repeat. And then you're going to do it again and again and again and again and again and again. And that's how you handle a believer in Christ. You have a conversation, you forgive, you repeat. You have a conversation, you forgive, you repeat. One last scripture in regards to how to deal with a believer. 1 John 4, verse 20. If someone says they love who, but hates their who, who who, does it say there? Fellow believer. believer. That person is a liar. liar. I don't know who said it like that, but go ahead. Liar. For if we don't love people, we can, how can we love a God whom we cannot see? Enough said. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word. Now we're going to talk about how to deal with difficult people who are not born again. People who are not Christians, people who we've come in contact with, who we know that we can't, maybe we can't find resolution with them. We can't approach them. When you approach somebody who's a believer, you approach them on the basis of the word. So what it looks like is, is, hey, the word tells us that we're going to do this. And if you're a believer, the word trumps every area of your life. You always, all, everything is secondary to the word. And if the word says do it, then we're going to what? But a non-believer doesn't have the knowledge of the word. So we're going to handle a non-believer very different than we handle a believer. The reality of it is, is you have knowledge on the inside of you on how to deal with difficult people that that person might not have to deal with. Pop and I were talking about this quite a bit yesterday about a person who is not a non-believer. They don't follow these principles in their life. They don't have a reborn nature. They don't see things how God sees them. And there are people that are do things and that they, they're difficult and they're, they're that way because I always say this, hurt people hurt people. But I cannot approach them with the basis of the word in that way that I ask them to do the word. The only person I can ask to do the word is myself. So it looks a little different. I'm going to put up, um, put up that scripture for me, baby girl, in Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I think you should have Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. I'll read it. It's fine. No worries, friend. Okay, here we go. Live wisely among those who are not, it says, believers, and make the most of every opportunity. Verse 6. Let your conversation, it says this, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have a right response for everyone. Listen to me. Live wisely in front of those who are who? Non-believers. That means to tell me that there is a way I'm going to act with non-believers that is different than believers. I'm going to act wisely with a non-believer. And I'm, interestingly enough, in that same verse, it says, be gracious with your what? Conversation. 
Be gracious with your conversation, which means that I'm going to be watching every word that comes out of my mouth. Uh, go ahead and go with me to the other. There's another scripture that I want to talk to you about in Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, verses 19 or 17, Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Church, we got to get this right. Got to get this part right. There's a lot of things that the body of Christ wants to get right, but they don't want to get this part right. And everything else hinges on this. It won't matter if you're prosperous if you don't treat your brother and sister in love. It doesn't matter if your bodies are healed if you don't walk in love. These are the basic elementary things that God requires. Listen to me. He requires them from us. First, or Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. It says this. Never pay back evil with what? With evil. Do things in such a way that who? That who? Say it again. Everyone. Everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at what? With who? With everyone. I'm going to skip down to verse um, 9. Oh, yeah. I'm going to read 19 at the very beginning part of it. Dear friends, how? How? Say it. Never. Never. Say never. Never, Never, ever, ever. Thanks. Never, ever, ever. Never take revenge. Now, listen, put, go down to verse 21. Verse 21. Do you have that one, friend? Thank you. Do, I'm sorry, don't let evil what? But conquer evil by doing what? Good. Listen, the ability, the, the, the power that evil will try to do of bad conversation, of, of, of trying to get back at somebody, those things are, those are real emotions that we have to harness. We feel those things. It, he said it so wonderfully last week. It, just because um, you're not going to not have feelings. You're not going to not have emotions. emotions. You're not going to have things like, oh my gosh, I just can't stand that. I can't stand Those are real emotions. It's not if you have them. It's what you do with them. It's what you do with them. And the word of God says, it's, I love that. It says, don't let evil conquer you. How do you conquer this evil? You do it by doing what? Good. Listen, if someone's irking you or if they're bothering you, go buy them a gift certificate to JK's. I don't know. Do something. There is a forward motion that helps you conquer evil. And you only do that by doing good. You can't walk around going, I don't, I'm going to like them. I'm just going to like them. I promise I'm going to like them. Guess what? It will stay right there. The only way you beat it is by doing good. And that's an action. So hear how it goes. Uh, Colossians 3.13. I'm going to just do that one real quick too. Colossians 3.13. Make what? For each other's what? And what? Forgive who? Say it again. Forgive who? Say it again anyone get it in your spirit forgive anyone anyone who what offends you forgive anyone who offends you remember that the lord forgave you so you must must forgive that is bit those are those are big words anyone must and the, these, are, these are not Tiffany Westcott's words. These are the holy scriptures written by God himself. So here's the steps for dealing with a difficult non-believer. Go ahead, friend. Understand. 
You have to understand where they're coming from. You have to take the time to understand. Do not go at them with things that they don't. You take the time to hear them and take the time to understand where they're coming from. The next part. Have a what? And do what? The next thing. Put it up. Go ahead. And forgive. It's thank you. It's basically, thank you. Thank you, friend. It's basically the same thing that you're going to do with a non-believer, with a believer, except for that you are going to understand where they're coming from. And guess what? You're going to forget, have a conversation, and then you're going to forgive. And then you're going to have another conversation, and then you're going to forgive. And if they don't want to have conversation with you, guess what you're still going to do? You're going to forgive. So we have a person who doesn't know Christ, a person who knows Christ, And the most important person that we're going to talk about today on how we deal with difficult people is yourself. Most people we have found, I have found, and even true for my own self, most people want an excuse for their behavior. They want want someone else to behave before they behave. It's very interesting. If someone comes to you about somebody else's behavior, what they're trying to get you to do is excuse their behavior to look at at the other person's behavior. Well, I did this because. So you acted like that because they did that to you? So that excuses your behavior. Uh, We put this up on the screen. Go ahead. It's never, go ahead, put it up there. It's never anyone else's fault. How what? Thank you, Nanny Sarah. It's never anyone else's fault how you behave. Never, ever, ever. And guess what? The most important person when you're dealing with difficult people is yourself. Pop said this to me when we were in the back. So good, I wrote it down. He said, people use transparency as an excuse to stay the same. Well, well, this is just the way I am. Well, just the way you are is ungodly. This is, I'm just telling you how it is. Really, you're just telling me how it is. Because I'm telling you what, that's nowhere found in the word. I'm telling you how you are isn't acting like Jesus Christ. And we use this whole transparency and use this whole thing and we think that it's some, somehow going to make an excuse for our behavior. If your behavior does not line up with the word, it's not a behavior that you need to continue in. If, you, it's, if you'll take the time... If you want to, because I'm getting ready to finish up here. And write this portion of scripture down in 1 Samuel. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 18. And this is an account of, um, of, of Saul and David. If, you, if you're doing some study time in this week, take this time and write it, write it down. It's 1 Samuel chapter 8, and it starts in verse 18. And many of us, this is where the story of, David and, or of, Saul, and, um, of Saul and David happens. This is right after the killing of Goliath. And many of us, we read this story and we go, oh, David killed Goliath, blah, blah, blah. Saul gave him his armor. But he, an interesting thing happens right after that. Saul and David go to war together. And what happens is David, who is under Saul, kills 10,000 more people than, than Saul does. David kills 10,000. And they come back from war. And the people, all the people start dancing and going, Hey, David killed 10,000 more people than Saul. Woo! And Saul, it says in the scripture, it says that jealousy set in the heart of Saul. At that very moment, jealousy set in the heart for Saul. And if you read through that entire book and go ahead, I, I did a little study. Eleven times Saul tried to kill David. And I don't know, anybody trying to kill you? Eleven, eleven different times through the scripture, Saul tried to kill David because he didn't take a hold of that jealousy that set in his heart at the very beginning. 
And what you're going to, what you'll find out is that through scripture is that Saul, is that David never retaliated. Hannah and I were talking about this the other day about how at one point in time, David got so close that he had the ability to get back at Saul that he cut the end of his garment and he said, I could have killed you. At one point in time, David snuck up with another one of his um, men that were with him and they so close to Saul, he was right there. He was asleep and they stole his sword. He said, I could have killed you. But it's an interesting thing. David says, guess what? I couldn't harm a man of God. And that was not based on Saul's behavior. Saul was already trying to kill David. But Saul, but David checked his behavior with the God And I'm a little concerned that before we respond, we're not checking our behavior to make sure it lines up with the word. We're just behaving as a response. At no point in time is very interesting. Do you know how Saul died? He ended up falling on his own sword. And if you try to seek revenge from people, if you try to, I'm just going to tell you, leave it alone. Worry about yourself and your own behavior. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold back. Proverbs 13, verse 16. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And even fools brag about their foolishness. Put this uh, last one up, Proverbs 16, 32. Better to be patient than how? And better to have what? Than to conquer everything. Stand to your feet. As we close today, There's been kind of a mantra of Pastor Stephen and I's life. We stole it from a friend of ours, actually a mentor of ours, Brother Doug Jones. And it goes like this. If you want to grab your notebook and you want to write this down, you can. Love joyfully takes an action that promotes the welfare of another. Love does what's best for the recipient at the And love never changes its behavior based on how it's treated. You know, Pastor Stephen said, told you earlier that we went and bought a trailer for the Shores campus on Friday. Uh, We uh, drove out to Benson, North Carolina. It's about a three-hour and ten-minute drive. And uh, we left kind of early in the morning. Uh, We had an agenda that day we wanted to go get the trailer pick it up get back and we had committed to making some other we had committed to some other appointments even that evening that we were on a time frame and getting trying to get back forth and doug uh who serves here on our staff had even called ahead of time just to make sure everything was ready to go when we got there that it would just be quick and we could get out the door and so we got to benson and pulled up to the place to get the trailer and they loaded it up and got it hooked up to his truck and uh, there was a, a light that didn't work, a tail light. And the breaker kept flipping. And so, what's that? A fuse, I'm sorry. The fuse kept flip going out, blowing. I'm a girl. Help a girl out. 
And uh, so, so, you know, we couldn't leave without that getting fixed. And uh, so the, 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 the gentleman that owned the business, he had gone about 15 minutes away to handle another customer. And so his wife was there and his two children that helped him run the business, sweet, precious people. And they were doing their best. We had never met them, but they were just doing their best, but they didn't know how to fix it. And they kept saying, our, our, he'll be right back, he'll be right back. I promise he'll be right back. And he had left his cell phone at the business, so they couldn't even get up with him. And so, I think that's funny, Boswell, don't you? <laughs> and uh, so, so we, uh, we were waiting. And so I, I grabbed a book. You know, I, I never really go anywhere without a book. So I grabbed my book and my notebook, and I, they had a park bench. And so I went and sat down on there, and Pastor Stephen was just visiting. Two hours later, two hours later, he rolled up. And, uh, and he was nice as could be. You know what we were? As nice as could be. Didn't want to be. <laughs> we had an agenda. These kids were involved, yeah. And, uh, we got in the truck. He hooked it up. He, he said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And we're like, dude, it's fine. No big deal. We had already said, we're from Coastal Family Church. The check said it. Not only is our name connected with it, your name's connected with it. Had we misbehaved? I don't know. Benson people might come to the Outer Bank sometime. And they might say, that pastor was a real jerk but we weren't. So we got in the truck and we were getting ready to leave. He said, thank you. And we said, thank you. We're pulling away. And he said, wait, 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 wait. He said, I, I, I want to give you guys something. I, I want to give you a spare tire and a rim. I think it's like worth a hundred bucks, maybe $90, $130. We said, well, thank you so much. He closed the door. We rolled up the windows. I looked at him and then said, it pays to behave. Pays to behave. I don't know how other people are going to act. I really don't. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, if you go eat at a restaurant, if you get gas today, if you pull in your neighborhood or if you go to work, you're going to find somebody who's difficult. And I can't fix all those difficult people. And the only person that really you can fix is you. And it's going to pay to behave. And love never changes its behavior based on how it's treated. And Pop said today, it starts at home. You've got to start it there before you live it out somewhere else. Close your eyes.